Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello, and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose, a weekly podcast in which we talk about turning your daydream into a phenomenal success. Each week, we speak with experts from around the globe who share their stories, perspective, and tips for creating your best life. I'm your host, Ellen Barton, and today I'm honored to have Jen Verheron on my show as my guest. Jen is an equestrian who trains horses and riders, and she's also a business and life coach and the founder of Jen Verheron Coaching. When I launched the podcast a year ago, Jen was my very first guest, so I thought it would be fitting to have her back as we kick off 2018. Jen, welcome. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here to mark a full year with you. Yes, yes. It's always good to just, you know, pause for a moment and take stock of all that has transpired in the previous year and all that's about to come in the, in the, the coming years. So, yeah. And I, to celebrate a full year of podcasts for you. It's so, yes. that's so exciting to me that you've manifested that and made it happen. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, when we started, I really had no idea where it was all going to go, but I found that this is really a passion of mine and something I really enjoy doing. So I hope to continue it for, you know, at least the next year and we'll see what happens after that. Well, I am honored to be a part of it. Yes, and I am honored to have you. And one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today is a continuation of what we started last time. So when we spoke previously, and like I said, your podcast aired at the very beginning of January 2017, so we spoke a couple of weeks before that in 16, and um, you were sharing some tips about strategic planning with us for the new year, and you were sharing some very exciting news about a big trip that you and your family were about to take. So let's start there. Tell us about that trip. Yeah, we. I decided... Um uh, at the beginning of last year that that it was really going to be the year of international travel for my family and I. And that was as a result, actually, of wanting to support some of my friends and clients who are also wanting to do big things um, in their lives for the year. So I decided that um, I really, after years and years of sort of dreaming and wishing and thinking about it, to actually make it happen. Wow, that's we did, and awesome. and it actually marks about one year now since we returned from Thailand. Yeah, so why did you pick Thailand? Well, I was in Thailand in the Peace Corps about twenty five years ago, and I had always wanted to take my family back. Um, you know, it had been something that had been in the back of my mind, and I sort of always assumed it's something that I would do. And you know, to realize that more than twenty years had gone by um, with that thing in the back of my mind, and um, that it was really time. And I miss, I miss so much about my life in Thailand. I miss the people, I miss the food, I miss the, the smells and the animals. And so I really, um, it was kind of a, a adventure back into time for me as well. Yeah. One of the things I love about your story is so many of us, myself included, will say how much we love travel and say how much we want to do something and then we quickly talk ourselves out of doing it because, yeah. oh my goodness, I have bills to pay, I have a business to run, I have any number of things that I, you know, I'm going to just make air quotes that I have yeah. to do. 
Um, so how did, did you have that come up for you? How did you get around that? Yes, that was for sure the case for me. Everything you just said was, um, basically in front of me. We have a small farm, we have animals. Um, my husband and I both have businesses that we run, uh, are self-employed. My son is in school, is in middle school. And, um, so we really had a lot of obstacles that we felt like we had to overcome and we, we wanted to go for about six weeks. So we wanted to take a considerable amount of time away from home, away from school, away from our work. And so we took about a year to really plan to make that happen. Uh, one by one, we just sort of took each of those challenges and just like sat down and navigated our way through them. And we ended up finding a fantastic farm sitter. Um, my son decided to take a semester off of school so we could do this. My husband and I both organized our businesses around being able to take that time off. And, and it was kind of that, it was the level of commitment that we all together had that allowed us to manage all of those challenges and all the perceived barriers that we had at the time. Oh, that's cool. You know what it reminds me of is, you know, that book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. And so the idea is that this, um, this guy, Robert Kiyosaki, grew up with two dads and um one of them was you know your normal working class I guess he was a teacher so he you know middle class dad and then one was quite wealthy businessman and one of and and the the wealthy businessman would never say I can't afford something he'd be like well how are we going to pay for that how are we going to do that yeah and that's the mindset that you just described yeah Yeah. And it really has to be a conscious mindset because I find that for so many of us, our regular thinking is sort of uh, full of problems and limitations of what we can and can't do. And I can't afford it. It's such a common, common voice that we all hear, I think. And to really shift that, like you say, to how can we afford it? How can we make this happen is a really powerful state to be in. So that's what we did. We made that shift. (laughs) yeah and so like finding finding a way you know even when it may have looked impossible at the beginning but you figured it out what types of things did that open up for you how did it um transform your family how what what kinds of things did you experience we have some really concrete results from it because uh when we went we had a wonderful time we had lots of ups and downs my husband ended up in the hospital for a while when we were there um you know, we, and that ended up being an amazing experience because he, he got quite ill and ended up in the hospital in Chiang Mai. And I'll never forget when he, he had been in a hospital where he could look out over what's called Wat Doi Tap. It's a beautiful temple up in a mountain um, out that he could see from the window of this hospital room. And he'd been in the hospital for five days. And when he got out, um, he said, we're going up there. And we had all our suitcases. We were ready to go to our next hotel, but we got in the, in the taxi He's like, we've got to go to do- Wat Doi Sutep. And he literally hadn't walked in five days. He was quite weak. And uh, we went and walked up the, I can't remember how many stairs it is there, but it's like, you know, it took us several hours to get to the top of this temple. And he said he felt like that his time in the hospital was actually a real gift because he had never appreciated his health and his freedom so much as he did when he got out of that talk- taxi and was able to go to the top of the temple. So that was kind of one example of, you know, a, a down and then an up. Um, but we, one of the things that, that came out of that trip for us, aside from having a wonderful time together as a family, is that we met a dog when we were there. 
And um, we were on a little island called Gatao in the um, Gulf of Thailand and way out in the way out in the middle of nowhere. And this lovely dog adopted us while we were there. And she ended up um, following us around for the seven days we were there and attempting as best she could to stay in our guest house with us, even though that we were pretty we were pretty firm about it, because the challenge for dogs there is that they are way overpopulated. There's not um, a very good system for a neutering and fixing dogs. And so the population is just, explode, you know, it continues to grow and explode. And the dogs are, there are a lot of stray dogs. It's a real problem there. And this particular dog just decided we were her people. And um, so we, we ended up one of the, one of the things that happened is we when we left her after having spent a week with her, we could not stop talking about her. We still had a couple of weeks in the country there, and she became kind of um, it was like she was part of our family, and we we felt like we were missing part of our family after we left her there on the island. Oh, that's incredible! So that, that kind of it was like another grand adventure inside of an adventure when I decided to pursue trying to bring her home from a little teeny tiny island out in the middle of the Gulf of Thailand. <laughs> That's amazing. So you, you met the stray dog and you ended up, um, so spoiler alert, you do bring her home. Um, we want to, you know, I want to hear more about that, but you named her Joy. Well, um, actually we didn't name her Joy. Um, she was on the beach with us and we were um, getting ready to go out on a boat ride on our last day on the island. And I asked, the, it was challenging being there for me because I speak Thai and I had gotten a kind of accustomed to being able to communicate with everyone there. But when we were on this particular island, I found that I wasn't able to communicate with them very well because there are a lot of people on that island that come from Laos and, and, and Burma as well. And they speak a different dialect. So I, we did find some fishermen on the beach um, who actually I could speak with very well. And I, I, I said to them, I said, you know, Joy was with us. And I said, where does she live? And they said, she lives on the beach. And I said, does she have a home? And they said, her be- the beach is her home. I said, does she have people? And they said, all the people are her people. <laughs> and I said, does she have a name? And they said, her name is Kajoy, which means joy. So ah. she, she was, she did have, you know, she was known and they did call her Joy there on the beach. So we just kept her name. Oh, and it's very fitting. She's, she's, absolutely busting with joy every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a beautiful story. And so you, so you, you got adopted by this dog and you had to leave her and you're sad. And like, did you think, had, were you starting to think at that time that you might come back for her? You know, it seemed too impossible. I don't think that I let myself think that. I don't think my husband let himself think that. Um, what triggered it is I had I had been posting sort of journal entries on Facebook and I got a private message from a friend of mine and she said, you really need to, because con- I posted pictures of Joy and talked about her in my journal and she said, you really need to contact such and such a person. Just talk to her, just, you know, find out. And so she sort of planted the seed in my mind actually a day or two after we'd left the island. And, um, so then it was, I contacted one person then I contacted another person. And then I was able to actually contact the little veterinary clinic there on the Island. And this again is after we'd already left and I asked them to go find her and they did, but it, it took two weeks. I did not get 
they, they sent me a photo of Joy at, literally as we were at the gate getting on the plane to come home in Bangkok. And I got this, you know, my phone dinged and I saw a pic and they sent this beautiful picture of her on the beach with a co coconut. She, that's what she loved to do is, is, you know, chew on coconuts. And I texted them back right away and I said, that's her. And they said, okay, we'll go back, you know, over the next few days and try to find her again. And um, they confirmed that she was, you know, very thin, not, not cared for. Um, she, they, they took her into the vet clinic and she had a blood parasite that they took care of. They um, fixed her and gave her all her medication, you know, or her vaccinations that she needed. And then, so then they had her and then I had to figure out how the heck to get her from that island. Now I, we had choices though, because even at that point, my, I would say to my husband, okay, you know, we've, we've now, she, she's going to be healthier now. She's, she's not going to end up. Cause that was one of the things that was really painful for us as we moved on is in Thailand. When you look around at the dogs, the female dogs end up being pretty much perpetually pregnant with mastitis. And it's, it's a really not a very good life for them. And um, we didn't know if she was pregnant at the time, but we knew that she would shortly probably be pregnant and, um, and ill. So we, I now felt like, okay, we could, we could just have them take her back to the beach where she was and just know that we'd, you know, saved her from that life. Um, but I kept asking my husband every day, shall we keep going on this path? Shall we keep going on this path? And he would say, he would alternate between no, that's crazy. And yes, we should keep going. <laughs> so he actually wasn't very much help. But the, what came out of it was that we, we did stay on the path and I continued to make phone calls and I was introduced to an incredible community of people willing to do incredible things to save dogs. And I found a very kind person named Stefan who went from one island, he spent an entire day going from one island to another to pick her up and take her by boat to his island. And then he took her to the airport um, the next morning to, so she could fly to Bangkok. And then I found someone else in Bangkok who was willing to take her in for five days. And then I was able to figure out how to fly. I was speaking at a convention in St. Louis and I actually ended up going sort of directly from that convention back to Bangkok for 24 hours to meet her, pick her up and bring her home. Oh and my goodness. so I also found out about a community of people and this is not just in Thailand. There are other countries where this exists, where you can be a flight, what's called a flight volunteer and you can volunteer to bring dogs or cats home with you. Um, and be, you know, steward up to five dogs on the way home. So I was able to bring other dogs with me as well. Oh, wow. So you found other dogs that had, that were rehomed in the States? Yeah. There's a whole network of people that want dogs that are, that have the dogs actually have found homes in the States and on all over Europe, actually. And all they need is people flying from Thailand to their country to be willing to, to bring the dogs home. And they, oh, that's they amazing. Yes, it was, it was, and it was something I didn't know anything about. So that opportunity is there no matter where you're traveling to see if there are animals that need um, help coming to their, to their new homes, their adoptive homes. Wow. I'm sure that this is something you had no idea you were getting into when you went on this oh, trip. No idea. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> oh my goodness what was involved so beyond just the the logistics of getting her home what was it like to introduce her to 
you know, living in a house and new customs and, yeah, and so many things that we didn't think about, you know, that what her life was like, she was feral and she was responsible for killing and eating, you know, getting her own food. And so she did not want to be, she'd never lived inside a house. She'd never been confined. She'd never been on a leash. And we're talking about one of the most wonderfully affectionate, lovable dogs you could ever meet who also has this really powerful predator instinct in her. And we have five acres, a small farm. And we, for the first month we had her, we weren't able to let her off the leash or, or out of the house because she would run, you know, she would just go crazy and, and run away. So that was really hard um, at first. And we have an invisible fence now. And we've now, we figured out early on that she wouldn't come to human voices. So we figured out, we just had to be really flexible. And then we use a bell every time it's mealtime, we would ring the bell. So now she'll come to the bell and um, started just developing a really consistent routine. So she could rely on knowing, you know, when she was going to go on her run, when meals were going to be. And, and now she's free on our property, confined within an uh, invisible fence. And, and it's been interesting to, you know, watch her shift from that sort of insecure, um, you know, uh, sort of scarcity where she always felt like she needed to find food to now being comfortable and playful and relaxed with the routine. Um, so that was a big challenge at first. And even this morning, she went after a raccoon and, you know, it caused our whole morning was turned upside down because we were worried she was going to be injured by the raccoon. So we still have, you know, days when we think, now, what did we do? Why did we do <laughs> oh, my gosh. Often we are so my husband looks at me all the time and he says, thank you for bringing joy home. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So does she, besides going after raccoons every now and then, does she, like, do you feel like she's, have you been able to train her with some modifications or? You know, that is such a great question. Um, I think it, it, obedience training almost seems, uh, I mean, she sits and she does sort of, you know, she sits and stays. Recall is still a real challenge. And for us, it has been really all about developing this routine that she's really confident in. And then we'll gradually introduce more training, but the training has, you know, she hasn't really been that conducive to training um, yet because she's so still so wild, but the more and more attached she gets to us, the more she wants to please us. And then we, we sort of leverage that um, mm. in her, you know, basic commands and, and what we want her to do. But, that we will probably start to train her a little bit more in the, you know, as she gets older. And now she stays in the house with you. Yeah. She has a, she has a routine. She comes in at night and stays in and then she goes out at five thirty in the morning and runs around for an hour and then comes back in and gets back into bed with us. Aww. <laughs> has she seen snow yet? Yep. She actually, when we brought her home, it was snowing last year. Ah. It was the first week in December and we had snow then. So she'd seen it then, but this year she loved it. She just, she played and rolled around in it and we only had snow for one day, but she, um, yeah, she was thrilled. She hates rain though. She, she will just stay inside if it rains. <laughs> well, who can blame her? Yeah. yeah. But, 
Hi, uh, girl really likes rain. <laughs> so once I saw a video that you had posted, she was climbing a tree. Yes. It was the craziest thing. Uh, she's just crazy. She, we have a, um, well, we had a raccoon and she had a raccoon in the tree and we happened to have a, our iPhone with us and we're able to get a video and she literally climbed probably 15 or 20 feet up. It's it was just pretty high. Yeah. 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 So she's got that crazy sort of athletic wild woman in her that I just, I just love. I really like identify with that part of her. Uh, that's <laughs> so beautiful. She, for me, sort of represents that 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 side of myself as well so I just really enjoy that part of her now do you think is she because of her background and and being you know rescued and brought into a new place and everything is she very needy like if you go on another trip or something are you going to be okay leaving her she well adjusted emotionally she's adjusted she has I have a, a farm sitter who comes here and she but she's adjusted too um she's not she doesn't tend to be insecure or have any kind of, um, you know, attachment. I mean, she, she's very attached to us, but she is happy to stay on the farm by herself when we're gone for the day or gone for the night. And uh, my husband was gone for two nights this last week. And when he came home, I thought she was going to just knock him over. She was wow. so excited to see him. So, but, but she's got a kind of a fierce, independent heart. So she hasn't, hasn't been very needy in that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, I, I look forward to posting pictures and video and yeah. all of that on our page. And it's a great story. And it's a story that's only possible because you, you know, embrace this kind of crazy trip and, and you know, yeah. did this thing that you were called to do. So, um, you know, you told me that you had done a little bit of writing about this topic. So yeah, I, I, wrote, talk- I wrote this story. It's actually been published in a book now about um, dog rescue stories, or, uh, full of dog rescue stories. And I, I, I was telling you earlier, you know, it's, it was one of those situations where not only was my own inner voice, my own inner critic saying, you're crazy, don't even try it. Don't, you know, this will never work. But I had a lot of other people saying, that's crazy. You're bringing a dog from Thailand. How are you going to do that? Why would you want to do that? There's plenty of dogs here. Um, you know, and so it, it was a really a case of, of really trusting my own gut instinct about what I wanted to do, what I needed to do. And I'm so thankful to my husband for being supportive and also all the people that I contacted who totally got it. They did not for a second question you know, that I needed to bring that dog home and were willing to jump on board and make sacrifices as well to make that happen. And I think, you know, that's one of the things in, um, about the story that I think people have said to me is so inspiring is that, you know, when, when you decide to do someone, something crazy or, uh, you know, like you say, make your daydream real, um, it's so important to really identify those people that are going to support you and help you on that path. And to, to not let the people who collude with your inner critic, though they may love you more than anyone else, sort of deter you from that. Um, because I can't tell you how much richer our lives are because of this dog. And, um, and how, you know, it's one, it's one life, save one life. But I've, um, Joy and I together have been able to raise some money and, and make lots of donations to different, the different organizations in Thailand that helped us out. 
And I continue, I hope to continue to kind of leverage her story and have her be able to be an ambassador for the stray dogs in Thailand and continue to make a difference for, for them over there. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's Claim you're crazy. Yeah. Claim you're crazy. <laughs> well, I'll post all those links as well. But what's, so now that we're again at the beginning of a new year, what's um, next for you and your family? Do you have any big goals or plans well, for this year? Interestingly, what this year is about for us is we had an opportunity uh, several months ago to have a Thai exchange student come live with us. So not only do we have a Thai dog now, but we have a Thai daughter for the year. And it has been really, really fun. So our year this year is about sharing our um, customs and our, our holidays with her and giving her the, you know, an incredible experience of what it's like to live in the United States. And she's been with us now for two and a half months and will be here with us through the end of June. So that's kind of what our year about, is about now is, having, is inviting someone else to have their grand adventure with us here. Oh, that's great. So do you, do you always give your years a theme? Is that sort of, I do. I like to do that. And I encourage other people to do that because, um, it really helps anchor, uh, anchor your year in, a and it keeps you from kind of wandering all over the place and giving up. I think when you've got a theme, it, it gives character and spirit to everything you do in a year. So I don't know how I would actually, you know, say it, but I, I, the idea, the theme in my mind is, is giving someone else the opportunity to have an adventure like we had last year. Oh, that's wonderful. How do you, so you said that you got in touch with your inner, you know, your instincts about rescuing joy. You had a, a feeling that you wanted to go back to Thailand, like a, a pulling towards going back to Thailand. Um, what about people that aren't really sure what their strong desire is do you have any uh, maybe tips or ideas of how someone can maybe figure out what their goals could or should be yeah yeah I find that people tend to we we tend to think if we're not really sure about what we want or what our passions are what we want to do next we tend to think that it's going to be way out there somewhere that it's going to be far out there that we have to make some sort of a big leap to find that thing. And what I find is that if people are willing to meet themselves where they're at and start to notice the things around them that bring them the most joy, the things they feel grateful for, um, the people in their lives that are currently in their lives that inspire them. And to start there with little, little goals, little changes that those end up triggering, um, those smaller things end up being a catalyst for that big thing, that big discovery. Um, yeah, I could give you so many examples, but that would take too long. <laughs> well, I but think really that's my biggest advice is to start close in. Yeah. And I've heard some people say, you know, if you're not even sure what, what it is that brings you the greatest joy, look back on your childhood and look back yeah. on what you yeah. used to love to do. That is so true. And sort of uncover that because usually those things are sort of at the heart of who we are. And they do get, you know, once you are going to school, then going to college, then possibly getting married or getting a job and, and, and life sort of takes over, those things get uncovered or get covered up sometimes. And sometimes uncovering them and seeing where they might lead in a new chapter can be a really powerful way to discover what's up, 
what's next up for you. Yeah, that's true. And people talk about losing themselves, getting lost, feeling lost. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times, I think especially women, we end up serving other people all the time, our families and our work and anybody else except yeah. for ourselves. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so yeah. It sounds kind of to me like reclaiming that essence, reclaiming that um, that that is important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also in, in addition to that is really trusting that there's not one right thing. There's not one calling or one purpose that you're supposed to have. And, and so there's not something to seek and find out there. It's, it's you really being present with who you are and being willing to have faith that whatever you choose to do is the right thing. Whatever you choose to love is the right thing for you to love. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does make sense. It does make sense. But I think it's one of those things that's probably easier to say than to do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And, and I, I guess part of that thought for me is, is that willingness to experiment. Because so often people don't want to try things because they think, well, what if that's the wrong thing? What if that's the wrong choice? Mm. What if that's the wrong? And I think the only way to really find is to be to find out what the right thing is for you or what your purpose is or what your passion is, is to be willing to go out and experiment and trust mm-hmm. that you'll find Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I heard this, I think it was a TED talk and I don't remember the man's name, but he was talking about, he'd written a book and I, I probably should know the name of it, but he was talking about doing something for 30 days at a time. So I, I remember like for one stretch of 30 days, he decided to be a vegan and for one stretch of 30 days, he decided to be a writer. And yeah. for one stretch of 30 days, he decided idea. he was a runner. And, um, and it was a way to just try out different, you know, things he was curious about. And yeah. some of them stuck long-term and some of them didn't. And it was no big deal. Yeah, you know? I absolutely love that idea. And that reminds me of, um, I went to a workshop a few years ago with David White, who is an Irish-English poet. And um, he works, he does organizational change with big, in, in big corporations using poetry. And the, one of the things that he talked about at this workshop was to go against yourself. And he said, you know, if you usually sit in the front of the room, sit in the back. If you usually sit in the back of the room, sit in the front. If you usually drink coffee, drink tea. If you usually don't talk to someone, talk. You know, if you're usually quiet, speak up. If, you're, if you usually talk too much, be quiet. And I love that idea because his point was that um, the more you think you know yourself, the less there is opportunity for you to get to know yourself. And that by we limit ourselves if we think we know ourselves so well and we always do what we think we are going to do. So if we think we're, we're shy, we think we're not good at certain things. We, those things, of course, are true. But if we give ourselves the opportunity, like the guy you're talking about on the TED Talk, give ourselves those opportunities to experiment and be someone new, then we get to find out who we really are. So I absolutely love that idea. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I'm going to find that book and I'm going to put that in on your page as well. So Good. I would, find I, would love, I would love to read it and I'd, I'll look for the TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's wonderful. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to wrap up by hearing any final thoughts you have to share and also how people can find you and work with you. My uh, website is jenverheron.com 
And there I have several different programs and um, opportunities to work with me are there listed on the site. So I would love to hear from anyone interested. And I guess my final thought is really claim you're crazy, you know, and be willing to take yourself on new adventures and in new directions, even when it seems like a crazy thing to do because the, 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 the riches and the joys on the other side of those things that you dream about but seem crazy are, are so many and so worthwhile. Oh, that's great. That's great. Seize the moment. Claim you're crazy. Just do it. Yeah. And, and try out that self that you think is not you. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jen. It was great talking to you. Thank you, Ellen. And I wish you an absolutely fabulous 2018. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you all for listening to today's show. My guest was coach and trainer, Jen Verheron. You can find this complete interview, links to Jen's website, social media pages, pictures of Joy, and hopefully the video of Joy climbing a tree (laughs) on our website, readysetgrit.com. Thanks again for joining us and check in again next Friday when we release another episode with tips on turning your daydream into a phenomenal success. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit, inspired actions, real results.